Chapter 10, Part 1 of Dot and Tot of Maryland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Adamson. Dot and Tot of Maryland by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 10, Part 1 The Queen of Maryland. When the boat carried Dot and Tot, Beyond the rocky arch that led to the fourth and most important valley of Maryland, the children held their breaths in suspense, for here lived the queen of all this wonderful country, and they had no idea what she was like. Perhaps she will be angry with us for disobeying the watchdog's order, Dot whispered, and then she may punish us in some terrible manner. No, she won't, replied Tot confidently. Perhaps she will make us slaves and compel us to work for her, continued Dot with a little shudder. No, she won't, protested Tot stoutly. Why won't she, Tot? asked the girl. Cause it's Maryland, returned the boy. Ah, that's true, said Dot thoughtfully. The queen of this lovely and happy country couldn't be very cross with us. Course not, agreed Tot. Then we won't be afraid, she added, her courage restored by Tot's simple faith. But we'll wait and see what happens to us. The boat now swept beyond a bend in the river, and they saw they were in a valley somewhat larger than any they had yet visited. But their view was shut off by a high wall that ran along the river bank on one side, and by the rocky edge of the valley on the other side. The wall was higher than their heads when they stood up in the boat, and upon its top Dot noticed several little wooden soldiers, with guns on their shoulders, walking stiffly back and forth, as if they were keeping guard. Each of these soldiers was seemingly made out of one piece of wood, and wore a high black hat and a red coat with black buttons, while his trousers were painted white. The guns did not look very dangerous and Dot remembered that once she had owned a box of just such looking soldiers as these. But the soldiers on the wall were moving around, and Dot's soldiers had never moved at all, at least while she was looking at them. What they might have done when she was not looking, she of course could not tell. The wooden soldiers paid no attention to the boat, which glided slowly down the stream, while the children looked for a place to land. Perhaps we'll float right through the valley, whispered Dot, and then the queen will never know we've been in her country at all. In a few moments, however, they saw a gate in the wall, made of wood, and nearly covered with gold and silver plates that shone brightly in the sun. In front of this gate was a little landing place and some steps leading down to the river. They floated up to the steps and stopped. So Dot and Tot got out and tied the boat to a silver ring in the wall. Then they walked to the gate, where Dot was just putting out her hand to open it, when she heard a voice cry, Halt! She looked up and saw that on each side of the gate was standing one of the wooden soldiers. Their guns were pointed straight at Dot and Tot, and although the soldiers were not much taller than Tot's knee, the children were startled at their warlike attitude and stood still in surprise. Can't we open the gate? asked the girl after a moment. No, answered one of the soldiers in a voice he tried to make gruff, but which sounded rather squeaky, as if it needed oiling. Why not? inquired Tot. 
It's against orders, replied the soldier. The queen has commanded me to shoot any stranger who tries to open the gate. But your gun is only wood, said Dot, who was annoyed at the soldier's interference. Wooden guns can't shoot, shouted Tot gleefully. The soldier seemed somewhat embarrassed at this, and Dot thought he blushed a little. It does not matter whether my gun will shoot or not, he answered stiffly. I am ordered not to let anyone open the gate. But you have no right to give me orders, said the girl. I don't belong to Maryland. So your queen has no authority over either Tot or me. Then why are you here if you don't belong here, asked the soldier. Dot hesitated to reply, for she felt the rebuke this question implied. We couldn't help coming, she explained at last. The boat brought us. Well, since you are here, said the soldier, you must obey the laws of this country and the queen who rules it. That's rubbish, cried Dot, now thoroughly provoked. You can't obey orders of your queen yourself. Why not? inquired the soldier in surprise. You were ordered to shoot, were you not? Certainly. Well, you can't shoot, for your gun is made of wood, so you cannot obey orders. But if you had not come here, protested the soldier, I should have had no occasion to shoot. So it is all your fault. Perhaps so, replied Dot, but I mean to open the gate in spite of your orders. She raised the latch, and the gate began to swing slowly back upon its hinges. But when it had partly opened, she saw standing before her another wooden soldier, dressed like a captain, who held in his hand a wooden sword. "'Stand back!' cried the captain. "'If you advance another step, I will stick my sword into you.' Dot looked at the sword and saw that the point of it was really sharp. So she stopped short and said, "'Does the Queen of Maryland live here?' She does, replied the captain. Then please let her know that I have come to call upon her, continued Dot. She was a wise little girl, and knew that while she might safely argue with the helpless soldiers, it was far better to be polite to the captain with a sharp sword. At her request, the officer bowed courteously and blew upon a pewter whistle that hung around his neck. In answer to the summons, another soldier appeared, who saluted his captain respectfully. "'Go to Her Majesty the Queen,' commanded the officer, "'and tell her there are two strangers at the gate who wish to see her.' At once the soldier started upon his mission, and the little wooden captain turned to Dot and Tot, saying, "'You may come within the gate and sit down while you await the commands of our Queen.' But if she will not receive you, of course, you must go out again. So the children passed through the gateway, which the captain closed behind them, and sat down upon a small wooden bench built against the wall. Then they began to look round, for now before their eyes was the fourth valley of Maryland, the home of the queen. Why, it's just like a toy village, cried Dot after the first look. It really was something like a toy village. There were several pretty streets, with rows of little houses facing them, and each house was much ornamented and brightly painted. Before the houses were rows of trees which seemed to have been whittled out of wood, for the leaves looked like shavings. These trees were colored a bright emerald green, and each one stood upon a little round platform of its own. 
The grass also looked like wood shavings and was dyed the same bright green color as the trees. Dot gazed dreamily at the houses and thought they resembled the big doll's playhouse her papa had once given her for Christmas, and which now was standing in the attic of her city home. At the far end of the main street, which ran down to the gate where they sat, was a house much bigger than the others, having for a roof a round dome which shone in the sun as if made of gold. This house was built in a remarkably beautiful and artistic manner, and before it upon a bright green lawn stood many trees and flowering shrubs. "'Who lives there?' Dot asked the wooden captain. "'That is the palace of Her Majesty the Queen,' was the reply." Oh, said Dot, is she very big? Quite big, answered the captain proudly. But, he added, of course, she is not so extremely large as you are. Oh, exclaimed Dot again, and before he had time to say anything more, she saw a carriage drive around to the front of the palace. Then the door quickly opened, and what looked to be a lady came out and entered the carriage. It was so far away she could not see the lady clearly at first, but soon the carriage came rolling swiftly toward them, and both Dot and Tot stood up that they might see plainly who was coming. End of chapter 10, part 1. Recording by Paul Adamson in the Wichita Mountains of Oklahoma.